If you're good at something, never do it for free. You're my older brother, and I love you. But don't ever take sides with anyone against the family again. I bought you. <laughs> Welcome back. We are the Podfellas, and thanks again for listening to our entertainment podcast. We are back for a new episode, and I am Myron, and joining me each week as usual is Mr. Will. Well, hello there. <laughs> each week, we'll provide a film or TV review, followed by a deeper dive into a related topic. Today, we will be kicking off our two-part series that I like to call our Cynical Superhero Twofer, with a review of the television series The Boys, which is on Amazon Prime. And we're going to follow that up with a look at another cynical superhero movie, Brightburn, produced by James Gunn. Oh, so much cynicism. So I know. much. Cynicism. Cynis, cynics. Cynicism. Cynics. I'm a cynic. Are you a Man, cynic? That, that word is... No, I'm not a cynic. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't consider myself a cynic. Anyhow, how was your week, sir? Week was pretty good. It was pretty chill. Just vegged out a bit and uh, rewatched Jojo Rabbit. That film is just... Oh awesome I feel like how I did it hold up the second viewing oh uh, just as great i think i think it's it's one of taika waititi's films that have just so many great one-liners but it's not like one of those you know typical comedies that we know uh such as like will ferrell comedies or whatever that had those one-liners i feel like yeah. taika's has a bit more of a little bit more of a class to it yeah it's sophisticated it's slapstick humor but it's mm-hmm. on another level so i was actually at a friend's house and we were talking about our podcast actually and there and then nice. some people listen to it some people haven't and then we talked about jojo rabbit and then one of the persons was like what the heck is jojo rabbit and someone tried to explain it and they looked really confused like what and it's just like <laughs> you, you have to watch the trailer and if you pitch this idea to anybody, they're not going to get it until they watch like what it looks like, the tone of the of the movie. They're like, "Oh yeah, I get it. I want to watch it." Mm. Hi so, Hitler yeah. guys. Yeah, this is my favorite line. <laughs> yeah. Hi Hitler guys. Sam, Sam Rockwell, so good. Yeah. Um, but other than that, um, did some filming, and uh, we actually filmed together this uh, uh, this yeah. past, past weekend as well. Yeah. And, and we're going to film a lot more this upcoming week. We're going to be know. seeing a lot of each other, Mr. Will. I know you were telling me earlier too, like you were saying, man, I see you a lot this week. Too much, but yeah, but it's yeah, okay. Kind of hurt. Yeah. It kind of hurt my feelings because it seemed like you yeah. didn't really want to see me. I'm gonna but see okay. you on Tuesday to film, and then I will see you Friday to film, and then I will see you Saturday to film. <laughs> yep, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot of will. It's a lot of will. Yeah. yeah. But where there's a lot of will, there's, there's a way. A lot of ways. <laughs> w a z. <laughs> ways. Ways. Oh man. So what about take you? Take an unprotected left here, and then in two miles, take another unprotected left. <laughs> oh my god! We're saving you time, but you're making five unprotected lefts. You might get hit by a car, but it's okay. Uh, anyways, what about your weekend or week? Uh, this week was busy. Uh, work is really, really busy. So uh, for those of you that haven't heard our previous episodes, Will, Will and I shoot videos for a living for uh, various. For a variety of different clients. Myself, I do in-house video content for a tech company. And I also do a few freelance projects here and there. But um, have a lot on my plate right now. So thankfully, Will is here to be helping me out. So just a lot of worry, a lot of things, a lot of chainsaws I feel like I'm juggling. But thankfully, uh, I have some good, talented people uh, in, my, in my network. So I'll be hitting them up for some help. Uh, among them is Will. So Will, Here for you, bro. Thank you. Here for you. Anyway, we wanted to give you a look ahead to our future episodes that are coming up. Next week will be part two of our cynical superhero twofer. So we will be reviewing the Watchmen TV series, which is on HBO. And we'll follow that up 
with a look back at the Watchmen film directed by Zack Schneider that came out around within the last 10 years or so. So we will be taking a look at that and giving you our thoughts. Following week, we will be reviewing the film The Way Back. And then we're going to follow that up with a discussion of our favorite Ben Affleck movies. The week after, another twofer, but in one episode, we're going to be reviewing the original To All the Boys I've Loved Before. And we're also going to be reviewing the sequel. I know Will is really looking forward to that. I'm sorry. No, I'm not. <laughs> but we're going to do it anyway. I know. I had no choice. Give it a, give it a chance. Uh, maybe. And then, I mean, I have no choice. I yeah. have to give it a chance. <laughs> so Am if, I you, like if it? you haven't noticed, I'm the producer. And I, if I say I'm, we're going to review this, unless Will has like a very strong um, gag reflex to it against it i i we're just gonna end up doing it so but i already had one when i read it yeah that we were gonna do this i just give, went huh? give it a chance all right all it right. can't be worse than harley quinn oh, oh i feel like it can be a lot worse than harley mm, quinn possibly it's just Korean. and the week after yeah. and the week after we're gonna review something probably a lot more up will's alley bloodshot <laughs> starring vin diesel <laughs> so that'll be next and that oh, is our next oh, four vin episodes diesel. Yeah, Mr. D's, D's, Rick D's. Yeah, <laughs> who calls him that? Do you remember Rick D's from Kiss FM? One two point seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah I remember Rick D's. Yeah. yeah. So the Vin D's. The Vin anyway. D's. Yeah, the Vin D's knees. <laughs> okay. Anyhow, we have an email now. Hey. So if you have any thoughts, hey, hey. thoughts, comments, hey. send us an email at thepodfellaspodcast at gmail dot com. Hey. We will respond to you very quickly. Any feedback, show ideas, please send them our way. Also want to give you a heads up. If you have any friends that are asking, let's say our podcast comes up in a conversation and then the person you're talking to says, hey, I really want to listen to that. Let them know our voices can be heard on the Apple Podcasts app, Google Play, as well as Spotify. Hey. Hey. So now I wanted to actually um, offer some of our listeners a thank you. Um, just this past week, I heard from many of you, and a lot of you gave us encouragement, letting us know that you're listening, uh, you're dedicated listeners, you love our content, um, you listen to us in the car. One person in particular said they listen to us every time they take a shower, which uh, makes me feel kind of uncomfortable, but at the same time kind of flattered to be in the room with you <laughs> while you're showering. So thank you for your, uh, your feedback, your encouragement, you. um, getting a podcast started from the ground up is always hard. You know, you want to know if what you have to say has any worth to people and if people are going to keep tuning in and if they even want to listen to you. So all of your encouragements, all of your tuning in has been just really great for us. So thank you for that. And we hope to continue to give you um, good quality content that we hope uh, you enjoy. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you all. Yes. You're all lovely and you're all beautiful. My deepest condolences to Robin's family. She just stepped in the middle of the street. I, I couldn't. She was a half step off the fucking curb. Oh, now, come on, Huey, just uh, don't get upset. Soups lose hundreds of people each year. It's a collateral damage. It's fucking diabolical. They're all like that? All of them. Yeah. Pardon my French, fuck those fuckers. I've got the boys together. No. Jonas. Yeah. To do what? Spank the bastards. Yes. For Robin. All right, that was a look at the trailer for the show, The Boys. It's about a group of vigilantes that set out to take down corrupt superheroes that abuse their own powers. 
This Amazon Prime show is eight episodes long. It was released um, in the summer of 2019. So, Will, you and I just got around to seeing this this past week. Now, this show poses a, a world where basically superheroes uh, that all have specific skill sets work for a large corporation. They are paid by that corporation to not only stop crime, but also they make movies, they have social media channels, they schedule pay-per-view events for the world's fastest man. Basically, we are seeing the monetization of superpowers. So uh, this is a bit of a unique take here, and, and it's different from anything that we've seen before. I was like, what the F yeah. is this crap? Now, you started watching this before I did, so you had a head start, and right around the middle of the show, I think around episode three or four, you said, yeah, I don't think I'm totally feeling this show. But as you went on, you said, you know, my feelings might be changing for, for this a bit. So let me ask you now, you finished the show, what do you think of it? In the beginning, I thought you kind of hyped it up a bit, where I thought, okay, okay, but you know that whole saying, you hype it too much, you might lose interest. But in the first three, four episodes... 455 minute uh, episodes it I was like one it, it was it was s- like pushing to be misanthropic it, it was like just I don't know it was too political and corporate for me I was like where is this going these are all superheroes who have powers and they're, so, and they're doing all this stuff so too many patrons. questions not enough yeah, answers not right? enough it was yeah and I thought they should I don't know, clarify this episode three, at least, to get me hooked because yeah. I was they were about to lose me. If you wouldn't have not pushed me, like 85% of me was like, no, I'm going to stop watching that kind of thing. The show but is very graphic with violence and also sex. It is so graphic. Did it take you off guard? Was it off-putting? It was off-putting, but I get what they're, I get what they're trying to do. Now, granted, once I got to episode five, ah, questions started to be answered things are starting to unravel i mean remember like like you said uh, these are superheroes who are working for a corporation and they're called vot seven yeah uh, or the uh, vot vot corporation vot corporation and, and, and they're, they're part uh, yeah they're, they're, they're like they're justice league yeah they're justice heroes. league called is the seven the seven yes yeah so these are like seven superheroes that they handpick. And it's so funny to seeing the whole social media and and their whole like pay-per-view, all those like the paparazzi fandom like and fame going on with these superheroes. It was just very jarring to me. I just, I, I would I would give them credit for sure for the show of, of actually doing something a bit uh, different, actually, yeah. that I never would have seen like or expected. Um, Don't you think that's what would happen, though, in real life? If, if I mean, we worship celebrities, even someone like a Kim Kardashian, who, I don't know, some might say doesn't have much talent, but people are so intrigued with celebrity. And if someone had actual powers, don't you think people would like just geek out if they were in a room with them, want to take selfies with them? Um, and if so, why not? pay them to be in movies why not monetize that you know because i think that as a as as spider-man would say with you know great power comes great responsibility and i think that when it comes to celebrities they're more just about the creativity their artistry whatever they're trying to sell Hmm. but a superhero you know they have nothing to sell They're, they're there to realize that they have been gifted with something that can change the world, mm. that, that can actually save people's lives, that mm. can, you know, um, I don't know, it goes so much more deep than, than being a celebrity for sure. And I would mm. hope, and I would, and actually I believe there are people out there who understand that. And, and if they had the chance to have superpowers, that they would take that responsibility seriously, you know? Mm. Um, I feel like so, you're an idealist, Will. 
I think you look for in the good sense, in people. But then again, like, I mean, I, 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 I like to say I do lean to the uh, idealistic um, perspective of everything, I guess. But at the same time, you know, there are, I, I mean, I'm not saying this is 100%. I'm just saying that, that I do believe that there are people out there. Uh, whether it be 1% or whether it be 0.5%, I just know that there is a chance for, for good people to make a, you know, to make to make a stand for, mm. for something with that okay. kind of power. Got but it. as I got to the further in the episodes and it started turning around for me, yeah, it got great. It got better. I actually um, was actually now interested, intrigued, and it hooked me. Um, after episode eight, holy crap, blew my freaking you mind. You didn't see that end coming, did you? I had I no did, idea. I, dude, I, I did not see the end coming. And granted, like, I mean, if we're talking about also, like, man, favorite moments in that show, at least... Um, that I won't spoil, but there's just this scene. There's just a scene that involved guts and explosions because in the beginning, uh, I it was how I told you I just couldn't get into it, and there were certain characters that were annoying the crap out of me. But the scene that involves guts and explosions, I was happy. <laughs> I was happy, and, and hopefully you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That scene yeah. in particular, I know you haven't seen Breaking Bad, but. Um, it, it had a very Breaking Bad esque quality to it. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Well, and, and I'll, I'll refer to that in, in in my review actually. Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, I, at first I thought nothing was going to surprise me, but no, that yeah. last episode of the first it, season did surprise yeah. me. Yeah. Um, looking at the themes of what I was trying to follow, like what? Okay, so what are we? What am I looking at here? All I got from in the beginning was, you know, greed, perversion, power, politics, and corporations. You know. And then it occurred to me after, uh, I think, honestly, after so episode five, halfway through, that it was actually about vengeance. It, it was about vengeance yeah. and and purely just that. So I, I, I'm just, I mean, I'm very uh, interested now for season two. Um, do you know when that's coming out? Um, I believe, so the trailer is already out for season two. I, I think okay. they're supposed to be releasing it in the summer, uh, which is like an exact year after the release of this, of season one. Cool. So that's the hope. And you're going to yes. watch it? Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, me well, too. after that cliffhanger episode eight, dude, I'm just yeah. like, I have to know. It's yeah. just, I, yeah, they got me. So cheers, like good on to them and cheers to them. Yeah. Um, that's just, yeah, my feeling about it. So I know you liked it. And yeah. so... Yeah, I want to hear you. I like to hear your perspective now. Yeah, I I enjoyed this show quite a bit. I love the tone of it. Um, we'll refer to well, we will refer to the violence of the show. I asked him about it, and this show is very violent. It's very, it's not very subtle. It is in your face, but it's also realistic. In <laughs> no pun intended, it is yeah, in your face. In your face, it, it is very realistic. So, uh, the first scene of the movie, we meet one of the stars, uh, Jack Quaid who's actually Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan's son. Um, we first saw him in Hunger Games, but he's just walking down the street with his girlfriend and they're kind of, you know, uh, f- talking flirtatiously and his girlfriend is walking just off the curb and just slightly on the street. And out of nowhere, we see a superhero, one of the world's fastest man, run into her, God knowing, God knows how fast he's running. But, but fast enough to do what he what just happened. Yeah. So basically, the the girl literally explodes in a mess of blood, <laughs> tissue, and and, and Gone. bone. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. And it's like you know, in, in other movies that wouldn't happen. But yeah, if the world's fastest man uh, was to hit a uh, a standing object going up, let's say a thousand miles an hour, there would be nothing left. So then, 
uh, Jack Quaid, who plays Huey, who's holding her hands, looks down, realizes that he's completely covered in blood, and now he's holding her hands, but those hands aren't attached to anything. <laughs> and you're just like, what the hell just happened here? You know, it's the hands look fake. They look like rubber. And I feel like it, there's a certain camp and a certain level of holy crap. And it's so ridiculous. You want to laugh, but yet it's so real because that would, that's what actually would happen. And it's darkly sadistic, but also humorous. And the, the shock I, factor was there. Yeah. That was, I, I will say like, it was a, oh my gosh. strong, yeah, it was a strong beginning. Yeah. I will say. Yeah. So that, uh, that is the tone of the show and it said it early on and it never really deviated from it. And I think the show knew what it was. It knew its take on heroes and of people. It knew, it knows the genre of superhero movies and it made an early choice. Like this is what is out there and this is what we're going to do differently. So I, I did enjoy that quite a bit. Uh, I love the cynical take on superheroes and how there's a resistance of regular human beings trying to reveal them as frauds. And that resistance force, which is a group of like four guys that have no idea what the hell they're doing. I love them a lot. Um, I mean, there's Butcher. We've seen him around before. He's played by Carl Urban. There's Jack Quaid, which I just talked about. But the other two guys, uh, one of them is called Mother's Milk. I have no idea why. And then there's a Frenchman as well. Um, They're great together. They're hilarious. They had great chemistry. And, you know, they're not really that popular and i think that's kind of why it worked they're not bringing any sort of characteristic to the show or some sort of aura we're just kind of accepting them as they are and i and i think that worked really really well in terms of uh the storyline i I do understand what willow was saying in that uh they're basically building a world for you and whenever someone does that there are a lot of questions that pop up and for me i was entertained enough to continue watching the show in good faith that those questions would get answers later on down the line. Now, I understand with Will, I had the same questions that he had. I think he wanted to know the answers a little bit earlier, and that's totally understandable. The show does take its time in answering a lot of the questions that you may have starting out. And so if those of you uh, have yet to watch the show, I would say go ahead and give it a little bit more time. Have some faith in those um, answers to those wait, questions wait, that you wait, have. Wait, 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 wait. Side question, soon. though. How many episodes for you personally will it take before you're like, this is going nowhere? I, I have gone so far into literally one or two episodes in where it's like, okay, if you're not going to answer these questions for me, I'm not going to watch it. But that's because I was out of the show and I and the, it wasn't entertaining enough to keep me engaged for those mm. questions to be answered. So this, this show was just enter- Yeah, so it, it just was, entertained you yeah. enough. Yeah, I was like, like, oh, what's going to happen here? What's going to happen there? And I was like, oh, that's a really cool take. There is a character called Homelander, which is basically their version of Superman. And their take on him was very unique. I have never seen this actor before. I thought he was really, really good. I call him a super cap. (laughs) He's like a super cap. Yeah, like a Captain America uh, who is not as virtuous as Captain America, that's for sure. No, not at all. Yeah, but he's played by Anthony Starr. I haven't seen him before. He was really, really good. Yeah. He played the character actually very eerily. Uh, like, yeah. yeah, he was a superhero, but there's just something off about him. Yeah, yeah. And I thought it worked well. Did you like him, yeah. Will? You know, yeah. I thought, like, so all the, all the actors, everyone's acting was great. It, you know, I, I, I enjoy their chemistry. Uh, I think that it just, just the execution of what they're trying to go for worked. It was just those questions where, like, where the heck is this going? Because unraveling the whole corporate politics and everything like that, I just 
kept begging the question, why are these freaking superheroes working for a corporation? Like, I don't understand this. They all, they're superheroes. They don't have to have anyone boss them around or tell them what right. to do. But my, my answer to that question is this. If you're an athlete or you're an actor, they have agents, right? What do the agents do? They broker the deals and they get them, you know, paid what they want to get paid. Why? Because the actor or agent doesn't want to have to deal with the politics. They don't want to have to deal with the contracts. They don't want to have to haggle. To them, they just want to be able to sign the dotted line and just know that they're making as much money as they can. So if someone was to monetize this superhero business, they would need a middleman to handle all of that crap, you know, to cut through the red tape and to get them what they what they want without having to deal with the headache of it all, right? And if you're a superhero, you still have to pay the bills, right? That, that's what, that was my reasoning behind it. Yeah, yeah, and I get that for sure. I definitely understand that aspect of where you're coming from. I just, what what, what was um, bothering me was that it kept going back to my mentality of Hancock, you know, the mentality mm. of like, he, no one can bother him or he can do whatever he wants, but he still has, you know, a sense of, uh, just a sense of like, you leave me yep. alone, I'll leave you alone. You know, yep. he still gets fed. He does whatever he wants kind of thing. That yep. was that that part of knowing when you have that much power. Like, I don't know. That's where I was like, no one has to represent you because the only, the only way other way around it would be, you know, people coming to them, which right. Jason Bateman did in Hancock. Right. Asking, That's the thing. Hey, let me help even, you. Even Hancock needed a PR guy, you know? Right, but I'm saying though, like he was like being chased after though to be represented and to be represented and try to be loved by the people in that sense. Obviously, in this one, it felt more like the superheroes were trying to look for representation rather than the other Mm. way around. That's what I got from it, at least in the beginning. Okay, so yeah. Now, what I didn't like, I was not a fan of the sets. Um, It seemed like a lot of the show for the resistance. uh, I mean, they're kind of hiding out from from the authorities and from the superheroes. It looked like they were literally hiding out in dungeons and everything was, you know, lit with like piss yellow lights. And for a while it was cool, but it kept going and going and going. And it just wasn't a good look for me. Um, Also, the color was all over the place. And I mean, this show was shot on, you know, red AK cameras and some of the episodes, some of the scenes look great, especially the the shots um, filmed inside, you know, the Vought Corporation, Vought Industries. But then there are other scenes, I think, well, uh, maybe tell me if you agree or disagree. There was a series of action sequences that took place in, the, in, in New York subway stations. And everything looked really noisy and dark. And the skin tones were totally off. Hmm. Do, you know what, do you know what I was talking about? Do yeah, I do. Yeah. I noticed that too. Yeah. I, I think the reason why I let that pass is because the overall tone for me when it comes to the color correction and the choice of lighting and um, I mean, cinematography obviously was that it was campy. And I, Mm. and I think that as you were saying earlier about the first part where you thought it was funny yet it was dark humor with um, Huey's uh, girlfriend being Mm -hmm. basically disintegrated. uh, (laughs) That, that campiness was that um, it was clear for me. I was like, okay, yeah. And everything else kind of fell into place for me while I was thinking, okay, yeah, I see this and I'm glad that they're embracing it. But yeah, I mean, would it have looked better if it was more cinematic, I guess? Probably. But I think they still did a good job balancing that out, even yeah. with the choice of what they did with the, the set okay. decoration and whatnot. So Yeah. I, I was so. just hoping for a more of a consistent color palette. I know that, you know, during the course of a movie, as you're changing scenarios and locations, that might deviate a little bit, but I felt like they're kind of all over the place. 
I, I do agree with yeah no I do agree with you there there were scene after scene where um, it was as if they were changing the tone of the color to just really represent the mood of that specific scene yeah, itself without and fitting then, an overall universal color palette, right as right? if like yeah. to kind of keep the world consistent yeah mm, so I do yeah. agree with you on yeah. that one that was really the only thing I didn't like I'll, I'll be honest with you uh, when I watch a television show normally there are always spots where the show starts to drag a little bit and I think this is a lot more evident in older television Will, do you remember back in the days where a television season would have like 22 episodes? Yeah. But lately, it's like with Netflix and all of the uh, the streaming uh, streaming channels, they do like eight to 10 episode seasons, and it's mm-hmm. a lot more quality. So for me, I always felt like uh, for a TV show, it's a lot easier for them to get something wrong. That You're not just making a two-hour movie. You're making eight to 10 hours of content. Somewhere along the line, something's going to be slow or something mm-hmm. is going to drag. So I mm-hmm. feel like it's that much easier for a show to, to kind of suck. I didn't really get that here. Um, I know, Will, at the beginning, you had a lot of questions. Um, for me, I thought the show went really, really well. Uh, and whatever um, issues I had with it were, were very, very minor. So I did like the show overall. Favorite moments in the show, most of them came in the last two to three episodes. Uh, completely the series that, yeah. proved to be a lot more sophisticated than i originally thought um and the showrunners tried really hard to show that all the characters weren't so black and white earlier on we're made to believe that these heroes are just corrupt people they don't give a shit um they don't have any sort of uh conscience or anything like that but towards the end with like a train and with homelander we really start to kind of get into what makes them tick and they are really really flawed characters but we start to kind of see what made them that way. And you kind of start to empathize with them, even just a little bit, even though they're, you know, they don't give a crap. Um, you know, they're murderers and and stuff like that. But yeah, you kind of start to see those those things. And, and I did appreciate that. Yeah. Another thing that really, really uh, appealed to me was the budding romance between Annie uh, and her superhero character is called Starlight and Huey. Now, Huey has it out for these heroes because his girlfriend at the beginning of the show was literally disintegrated by one. So in the process of trying to infiltrate the seven, he meets Annie, who is the newest member of the group, who's like a virtuous uh, middle American hometown girl who is just trying to find her way and, and not have to compromise her own set of values. They had a very interesting dynamic. And just the fact that Huey is trying to take them down and at the same time is falling for one of the supers. Uh, that was a very interesting dynamic there. And I enjoyed that. Do you think it was too much. simple for the writers uh, to have them meet at a park bench just out of the yeah, whim? Yeah. That came was out that, of was that kind of Was that kind of like a cop out a bit? You know, like, oh, yeah. we just need them to meet somehow. So let's yeah. meet, have them randomly meet at a park bench. Yeah. So Annie is dealing with her shit and she's just sitting there uh, trying to figure stuff out. And she looks over and guess who's sitting there? Huey. And Huey has no idea that she's a super. You know, if he had known she was a super and was trying to infiltrate the seven and use her to do so, that would have been one thing. But mm-hmm. they just had a coincidental meeting on a park bench, which, you know, for I like movie, layers. But yeah. I mean, I accepted it, but I do like layers yeah. in, in having characters from different opposite ends to meet somehow. Yeah, yeah so. that's very true. It wasn't set up well and it just happened out of convenience. That did bother me. I, I will mm. say that. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Now, what surprised me, I will have to go agree with you. The end. Wow. Didn't see it coming. No. And it was like a holy crap moment. And now you're just, okay, you're now setting the stage for season two. And it's not going to be just the boys are going to try to bring down the seven or bring down Vought Corporation. 
it's a hell of a lot more complicated now. And I cannot wait to see what they do with it. Um, I don't know if you caught it, but I think what they're trying to do, which they may obviously know whether or not people are noticing it or not, um, the biggest enigma of the superheroes. Do you do you know who the biggest enigma is out of the mm. seven? Mm. You don't know. You haven't oh, noticed. Snake Eyes. What, what was his name again? With Snake Eyes. There's no Snake Eyes. <laughs> no, the the guy that looks like a like a ninja. Yes, no- Black Noir. Yeah, Black Noir. Yeah. Like literally nothing. Yeah. <laughs> nothing on that guy. Yeah. He's like hiding in the desert. I'm like, okay, this this guy is gonna be he. He's going to come out with something. He He's going to surprise. Yeah. Either he's just a debt, literally just something to, to distract us from the writers, or it's going to build up to be yeah. something. So Black Noir, guys, is a character. He looks just like Snake Eyes from the G.I. Joe movie. He is dressed fully in black. He looks like part ninja, part super soldier. Doesn't say a damn word the whole show. <laughs> and then, nothing. And then like in episode seven or eight, he just sits down and starts playing piano. Out of nowhere, looks- which was great. <laughs> That party was like when he sits down next to the pianist who was the entertainer. He just mm-hmm. stands and stares at him for like 15 seconds. Yeah. And all the pianist does is, okay, yep, I will leave. Yeah. <laughs> and then he busts out playing like... Yeah, some virtuoso uh, piano some piece. Vir- <laughs> yeah. That was great. It was so weird. I was like, what the heck is happening right now? And, and for me, what I think uh, when I watch the show, it really is about power corrupting. Um, and that's kind of going back to what we talked about earlier, how sure, you know, the yeah. question, does absolute power corrupt absolutely? There is a little bit of a conversation um, that I really that really stuck out to me. Homelander has this while talking to Annie. So Annie is the newest member, like we talked about. And when she doesn't have to be starlight, she's dressed like a normal girl. Like you couldn't even recognize her. And then Homelander sees her in the hall and says, wow, you're dressed like, you know, kind of one of them. She's like, yeah, you know, I don't want to always have to wear the superhero getup. They're having that type of conversation. And Homelander says, yeah, I remember when I used to change and, you know, I just kind of got tired of it. And it's like one of those things where, you know, Clark, Superman had Clark Kent. Um, Spider-Man had Peter Parker. Um, these characters have alter egos because you want to blend in at some point. You want to feel normal. You want to go through what everyone else goes through. And this idea that you're a superhero that doesn't give a crap about your alter ego anymore, that you know you're like Homelander knows he's Homelander and he doesn't want to be normal. He's drinking his own Kool-Aid and is just basically completely separating himself from, I feel like the humanity inside of him. He knows he's better than everyone else. Why even try to fit in, you know? And it's that idea of like the small town uh, athlete that signs a gigantic NBA contract and now has has completely forgotten who he was. It's all about, you know, living in the big city and all about that big life and spending all that money. It's, you get that image, you know, and that's kind of what I think the show is about. Homelander, like I said, he has a very eerie personality. Um, I think he's also a little bit of an enigma though too, because you do get a sense more of his uh, background his and, and uh, going back into his life of, you know, where he grew, or how he grew up and, and, what, he, and what he went through. So there's still a lot to unravel from there. And I think so far they're doing a great job with uh, little by little being able to kind of just show yeah. what makes him tick even more. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. Cool. All right. On to our final review of this show. We've had some good conversations so far about, you know, the, what the show is about and also how superheroes, what they might mean to us in our present day society. So let me ask you, Will, 
What oh, is your man. overall review of this show out of five stars? Dude, so uh, up till episode four, I was giving it a 2.5. And now, since I finished it, I bumped it up to a 3.5. Ah, very yeah, nice. I think if season two goes really well, I might give this show a four because it's just, man, that, like I said, like you were talking about, that last episode was holy crap i i lit, my jaw kind of dropped a little bit yeah <laughs> so that that helps it back up to go a whole point up so uh for my review of the show i give it a solid four out of five um, of course you do of course <laughs> this show sticks to its guns it sets uh sets up the tone and what this show really is about from the very first moments of the very first episode lots of great colorful characters there's a lot more content to like than to dislike. And as crazy as it sounds, it's easier to create an amazing movie than an amazing television show. And I think they were able to accomplish a lot. It was eight hours of quality viewing, entertaining viewing. I, I was hooked. I finished the show really, really quickly. I recommend it highly. So, Will, I know that you, with your review as well, it seems like you recommend it as well. Yeah, and going to reinforce um, to what you said, I 100% agree that it is so much easier to create an amazing movie than to create an amazing yeah. television show. Like that, that is the dead truth, man. Mm. Yeah. The boys can be seen on Amazon prime season two will be coming out in the middle of 2020. So uh, go ahead and check it out. If you have some time, it's definitely worth a watch. We're going to go on a brief break and we'll come back with a look at Brightburn. Stay tuned. People who wear masks are driven by trauma. They're obsessed with justice because of some injustice they suffered. Ergo, the mask. It hides the pain. I wear the mask to protect myself. Right. From the pain. There was a cavalry-involved shooting last night. You gonna give me the speech now? What speech? I should calm down and take a breath before we're at war again. No. There's a guy in my trunk. Mom, who am I? You are a gift. We believe that you came here for a reason. I know it's been difficult for you lately, that you feel different from other kids. Just the floor, Brian! Caitlin, get my hand up. He's a creep. Help him up. What are you doing? I want him in handcuffs and I want him gone. Do you even know who his real mother is? I'm his real mother. Let's go. What you just heard was a trailer for the Watchmen television series, which we will be reviewing next week. And that was immediately followed by a trailer for the film Brightburn, which we are going to be reviewing now. Now a synopsis of the film. It's more of a question. What if a child from another world crash landed on Earth? But instead of becoming a hero to mankind, he proved to be something far more sinister. I think it's safe to say that this is a take on the Superman mythology, right? Turned uh, very dark. and uh, So dark. Yep. This movie was released in 2019. Uh, it was produced by James Gunn and written by his two brothers, and it was released by Sony Pictures. It stars Elizabeth Banks. She was the main star of the film. And everyone else, uh, they are relative unknowns. 
now the movie didn't do very well, but you know it, it was I would say in terms of its critical uh, reception, it was mixed, but definitely uh, moviegoers liked it a lot more than critics. Now you and I, neither of us had a chance to watch this movie during its initial release. Will, you watched it before I did. I wanted to go ahead and ask you uh, what your take on this film was. So my take on this film, it, it, I enjoyed it. I, I really love the take of what they did with um, if Superman growing up uh, was evil, for sure. Uh, it, it, it made more sense in terms of how this kid became who he is um, in the beginning uh, than the boys. Like, like at first, and, I, and I'm taking this back now, obviously, from the boys, like it made sense later on as I watched episode five and six. So I take that back. Like it, it all made sense now. So it's a freaking crazy concept uh, for Brightburn. And I thought that it was executed pretty well in terms of the story and the character development. Uh, holy crap. There are so many cringing freaking scenes. It, it is a violent movie. It is so cringing. And I would say even more so than like the boys. Like now now the boy or the for the boys, you know, you got like the highly stylized high yes. Yeah, and and, and ca- the campiness and whatnot. Yeah. This is just straight up demonic in a sense and just yeah. like sinister of how certain things unravel. And and this is not a spoiler, because they show you in the trailer. But the scene in the in, in the diner scene where the waitress uh, looks up and the lights are flickering and then the light bulbs uh, basically shatter. Uh, explode and shatter yeah. and one gets in her eye. Oh, <laughs> that scene yeah. for the whole process, I was like, oh, oh, that was, oh. Yeah, I was cringing. It was disgusting. But I felt like that led to a really cool shot where it, we cut to her POV and yes. some of the... The, the, the lens. Yeah, like lens ha- like her, her rectangle, yeah. like left rectangle was a bit blurry with blood. Yeah. And then, yeah. yeah, so she was trying to make out what was going on. Oh, my... But man, her pulling it out, though... Ooh, like it yeah. was I didn't want to look away and I tried to look away but I couldn't look away I had to look I had same to see thing, same for me <laughs> I, you know what it reminded me of like the video that that uh, your wife put up on Instagram when you were getting your oh, yeah. LASIK surgery I freaking was like are you freaking kidding me There's, yeah. she's posting this on the online right now so sl- slight tangent here um, <laughs> I have pretty much the worst vision out there I have negative nine vision oh. I went to this uh, uh, doctor in Newport his name is Dr. Tuma he is a freaking miracle worker he basically used a laser to slice my eye open and Your then cornea dude yeah, like yeah, oh shot it with a laser and now I have better than 2020 vision and my wife thought it would be cool to post that entire video my eye was on the big screen inside of a, a, a an exam room and she shot the whole thing and put it out there on social who media. the freak <laughs> does that for inner like for like I get it educational purposes yeah. but on like a freaking 72 inch screen or something well, oh yeah. no it was bigger than that it was yeah. huge yeah but, but man that was a cringing scene just yeah. I, I, I what, compare what was that worse scene. my LASIK or, or the shot of the woman with the waitress in the restaurant both were equally cringing but yeah the, obviously the glass shattering the eye and, and the blood spewing yes that was very yes. cringing there was no blood involved with me no, there wasn't, but there was a flap. Yes. <laughs> that flap of your eye, dude. That was so... Uh, okay, anyways. Th- there were some things that uh, that I didn't like about it, um, but it was more so on Brandon's, Brandon's character um, and also his ship. 
that that was interesting too like the whole alien thing and and how that plays into the story like yeah it was it was i wish they would expand a bit more with his ship and and the and the landing of that i guess the only other issue i had was how not only brandon being in an innately evil superhuman but um his parents just just having not much hope for his for for his for their kid you know and hmm. i feel like they have no sense of wisdom like the kent family like clark kent's family like the, it was just, it was like it, in order for him to be that brandon for to be that innately evil superhuman like he like, it seemed like they had to make the parents also have these flaws i guess to kind right. of balance it out to so- me what you're talking about is a major flaw that I picked up in the movie. Um, mm. I think you and I both saw this differently. Uh, I'll, I'll get to it a little more in my review, but I right. noticed this as well. I, I think at the point where um, you know Brandon is murdering people, and I don't think it's uh, a, a plot uh, reveal to say that at some point the parents find out and try to take action against it. Right. I, I thought it was all handled not very well in terms of how the, the story was told. It could have been done a lot better. And, but at that point, after he's killed a few people, I, I think at that point, well, they're, you know, they, they have no choice, but to try to stop it. Right. No. What, yeah. And, and I think that, uh, that you bring up, you bring up a good point though, too, because in the film, in the beginning, you know, everything seemed happy go lucky and everything seemed to be like, you know, how uh, Brandon's parents like they really were being great parents. They that you you kind of connected with the character. Like, oh yeah, like he looks like he has a great, he has a great home, you know. And and I think that the the flip once Brandon started murdering people, their their characteristics also kind of flipped a bit too hard. Like I, there was no easing to where they had a sense of hope to try. It's just kind of like, oh man, like this kid's bad. We just have to find a way kind of thing. Well, you know, my, my big issue with the film is that I felt like they were just rushing through. It was an hour and a half long and it was such a great premise. I felt like they didn't really need to rush. And there was just a lot they left on the table, a lot they didn't explain, a lot they didn't explore. And I felt like if they did that more then these issues that we have with the film, they wouldn't have been there. But that's well, just my thought. Quick, quick, agree or disagree. Would, would the film been better if they expanded on that and they extended the film to be like an hour and 50 minute to almost two hours yes film. yes okay cool um favorite moment dude dude one of my favorite moments was the homage of the truck scene and he picks up a truck right and he drops it but it was that <laughs> comic book of superman yeah. the first action comics where superman's lifting a tr- yeah. uh, uh, um, a car yeah, and I was reading that that was that 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 was that homage that, that the director yeah. were uh, were doing. But here he's not saving anyone; he's murdering somebody <laughs> in a very gruesome way. <laughs> that was another scene that was so gruesome I was like, too. Oh my! Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, all the noises, every cringing yeah. noise, all of you guys out there have when you watch these kinds of films. Yes, it was that cringing. Yes, and really bad. oh, and great at the same time. It was gross, yeah. but cool. <laughs> it was so gross. And I was like, okay, well, see you later. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was jaw dropping. <laughs> <laughs> what surprised me was 
I, I, we kind of already like touched on it was just the parents. I think that the, just the way the parents handled it could have, you know, I feel like it just, I wish they could have done a better job. And there's, there's a specific scene that the parents have to take action in where you're just like, what? Like it, it surprised me not in the way like, oh my gosh, but it surprised me more of like, are you kidding me? Kind of thing. Um, and, but then again, in the end, this whole film, after all said and done, it, the talk about how absolute power corrupts or uh, power corrupts absolutely. Like to me, I still say evil corrupts, but it isn't innate. That That's still my takeaway from it. But uh, so I, I, I guess I have a hard time understanding because here I feel like they're saying evil is innate because n- there's nothing anyone could have done. You know, Brandon is, is Brandon Breyer was born evil regardless. And there's nothing anyone could have done about it. In a fictional standpoint for Brandon, because he is an alien, I guess, right? Well, sure. Because he's an alien, we don't know what's out there. It could be a possibility. Sure. Yeah. So that, 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 but he was born evil, right? He, well, was he though? Because in the beginning, like, it wasn't that he was born evil. Remember, like, that's where the whole ship comes in. That's where that his, where he landed on, what he landed on. I thought to myself, if that ship, that was chanting, right? So that ship actually is is like a part of him in a sense. Mm-hmm. And as it, it was uh, glowing uh, to the point where that's where the whole premise of the story starts to uh, take that arc, like it it was taken over his body, or it was it was chanting these alien languages, and it was taken over his body. Now I thought to myself, if they got rid of, if somehow the parents found a way to get rid of that, would have would he have been evil? What I took that as is, uh, you know, he crash landed and the ship was from his home planet and it was conveying a message to him of who he was meant to be. And it was almost as if like, it's kind of like that Jesus being baptized and starting his ministry type thing. It was like the ship was delivering a message to him. You are now 12 years old and uh, you're of age and now you're now supposed to, now I am going to tell you what you are meant to do, why you were sent here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. That's but like I'm saying, though, like, remember, though, like uh, that, but that begs the question, if they were able to find a way to dismantle the ship or do something like where they got were able to get rid of it, would he, would Brandon's character. Um, so you're saying the ship brainwashed him? I and think that the, the evil came from the ship is not him directly. Completely. Because if it was 11 years of him just, you know, going through what he was going through as a child, as just a regular kid, right? It wasn't until he got that that moment when the ship comes alive mm. and starts to chant and then comes into it. And then you see him freaking convulsing in his bed, you know, chanting the words. And he has to figure out what those words mean. And he has to figure it out. This is, another, then, yeah. this is another major problem I had with the movie is they rush through that so quickly that we just are supposed to believe he was a good boy by like a one minute montage of like home videos. We have no idea what his childhood was like. Uh, whether he exhibited any signs of darkness, whether he you know, had a great relationship with his parents or, or a bad relationship, what it was like to adjust. There was so much meat there that they just didn't even get into. Well, okay, yeah, and I agree with you. Yeah. I think the one major, though, uh, evident evidence that the whole evil corrupts but isn't innate um, that I'm still sticking with in the theme okay. was when um, Elizabeth Banks uh, when at towards the end where she sees Brandon and she says, I know that there is good in you. Like she basically, but she was only pre- seeing that. 
I know. Well, see, 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 but yeah. it's, it's like, so here's the thing. It kind of, to me, I saw that as a flip, like a flip, a flip of, 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 uh, of a situation because she, you knew that she was trying to try to uh, get rid of him or try to stop him. But Brandon says, I want to be good. I want to do good mom. Right. And she says, I know. And I believe like, I know. And she mm. gives him that hug. You know what I mean? Interesting. I, I and, forgot that he said that line. I guess yes. I didn't believe him at that moment. No, did for you me, believe him? I did because here's the thing. Every time um, he's trying to warn people, you know, about about like you shouldn't do that or you shouldn't say this. I feel like he was saying that because he was under control of what the ship was uh, transforming him or making uh, him realize okay, what he was okay, trying to do. Okay. okay. You know what now, I mean? I, I'm starting to understand Yeah, your take on it a little more. Yeah. yeah. And so okay. for me the whole flip of the situation was when freaking Elizabeth Banks raises that, you know, weapon or whatever tries, tries to, you know, get rid of him. I'm just like, are you kidding me right now? Are you kidding me? Like he's just said he wants to do good, but she had no hope for him. That's where I was like, okay, she, she obviously as a part of the world, as a part of humankind, right? Like, I don't know, just, just for Mm. her, she was just not all there. She wasn't wise about, you know, yeah, I think you and I interpreted the this movie a little differently in that aspect. Mm-hmm. I thought the ship was just convincing him of what he was meant to be. And I thought uh, after he turned 12 on his birthday, that any sort of like line he was delivering about, you know, trying to be good or anything like that. It was, was all an just, act. It was all an act. Mm. But, you know, and I think once again, that this is a flaw of the movie. It didn't take enough time to clearly lay out everyone's motivations or even if to explain if this boy really is trying to be good or if he is just lying. It it didn't set any of that up or even attempted to explain that. Hmm. So, yeah. Well, seems like you kind of also dived in already into what your thoughts are. So let's keep expanding and uh, let's get to you then. Let's get into it then. Yes. Okay. So what I liked about it, um, it was an amazing concept. I feel as though the take if someone walked into a studio and pitched this idea, especially if you're James Gunn pitching the idea, it's going to sell. It's, it's an automatic, like, you know, it's going to get made, right? Just the idea that if an alien with powers comes to earth, it really is a coin flip. I, I would say it's a 50, 50 coin flip. Are they going to be a Superman or are they going to be a Brightburn? The other thing that I really liked, um, I, okay, maybe I'm being a little bit hypocritical here when I, was talking about Birds of Prey last week. I talked about some of the violence as being detestable and just disgusting, <laughs> yet at the same time, the violence here, and also in The Boys, I guess you can say, was far worse and far more graphic. But here I accepted it. Um, if you had to ask me why, I, I could explain it. I'm not gonna go that far right now, but I would say that it clearly delineated this film from the standard comic book films it was trying to imitate. It was disgusting, yet it was separating itself from the competition, I guess you could say. And I appreciated that. This I'll, whole- just, I'll just like throw in the fact that it wasn't your typical comic book anti-superhero film. No. Yeah. It, was, it was also a horror, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. This is a new genre, superhero horror. And I thought that they really made a bold statement as to what would be included in that type of film. So I thought that was really, really good. Um. Now, I didn't really like the first hour of the film. I'll tell you why when I talk about what I didn't like. But I will say I really enjoyed the last 30 minutes. It was really when the story started to pick up and the characters started to be a lot more active. They started to take action and make decisions. 
whether they were good actions or good decisions or not, that's okay. I'm totally fine with good decisions or bad decisions being made as long as the characters, the characters are being active rather than passive. Now that really picked up in the last 30 minutes. So that was great. Hmm. Um, the end took me by surprise. Um, the film was setting up a more of a formulaic ending where we were able to be like, oh yeah, okay, this is going to happen. The movie's going to end this way. It doesn't end that way. And I'm glad it didn't end that way. And with this new ending that took me by surprise, um, the end credits in the middle of it, they, they cut away to like a news montage and it further elaborates and kind of continues where that ending left off. I really liked it. It was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yep. And I also really liked the casting, uh, especially Elizabeth Banks. She was great. I like the dad a lot. Um, we've seen him in quite a bit of films. He is played by David Denman. And the reason why I like him is he is totally believable as a guy that grew up in a small Kansas town, never really left, always lived on a farm, you know, type of guy that's, you know, probably at some point played on the high school football team and now just wears a lot of flannel, has a beard, gained, gained a few pounds, uh, drinks beer with his buds. He was that kind of guy and it was totally believable. You know, it's funny. It just seemed like it was a bit of a repetition, though, from The Office because he played. Yeah, Pam's he played. Yeah, a gen- like, was, it was a garbage him, right? guy or, or yeah. like a box guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just the regular job, average Joe. Hmm. All right, now onto what I didn't like here. Um, and Will knows I'm very good at talking about what I don't like in movies. And as I as I was just told, a lot of our listeners also. Let me know that I'm very <laughs> open with what I don't like about movies as well. But in this film, <laughs> the characters were very flat and passive and they don't really take action. They don't really drive the plot forward. Things are happening to them and around them and no one is really fleshed out. Like if I had asked you, Will, describe um, Chris, describe Elizabeth Banks's character. What is she about? What are her character flaws? What makes her tick? I'm not so sure. I'm not, I'm not asking you right now, uh, but I'm not so sure if you'd be able to give some clear answers as to like who this character is. At least I wasn't able to answer those questions for her or the dad or um, Brandon. And no one really takes action or makes decisions that propel the plot forward. And that was for me the, the entire first hour. Um, the opening scene, I didn't like at all. It's like, okay, are you really trying to rush through this <laughs> like, and get to like the plot points that quickly? Let, let me describe the opening scene for you. The movie starts and uh, we are shown that Elizabeth Banks and her husband, um, they're having some issues conceiving. How are we shown this? The movie opens and we pan across a bookshelf with stacks of books talking about fertility. Right. And in the background out of focus is, you know, mom and dad, or I'm sorry, is husband and wife making out. And then all of a sudden through their window, a gigantic spaceship comes and explodes and land crash lands in their barn, cut to black. And this is literally the first minute. Right. And then the the next thing we see is like a two minute montage of Brandon growing up. It's like, wait, what just happened? Okay. Wow. You're jumping ahead. Okay. You're telling me we're not going to get to really experience the struggle of this husband and wife as they're trying to have kids. I just don't like any movie that tries to give exposition and backstory 
by like panning over something. You know what I'm talking about, Will? It's like we pan over the series of photos on top of the dresser to have us get to meet the kids of the main characters. You know, it's like, don't just show me the photos. Don't show me the stack of books. Actually show me what the characters are going through in the scene. You know, I thought what it worked better was uh, starting the film with the ship crash landing Mm-hmm. And then obviously um, the, the parents are the, the husband and wife comes out and finds Brendan. And then as, as he starts growing up into the age, yeah. it transitions into the books with the infertility and realizing, yeah. oh, they, they can't conceive and they're having a hard time. I thought that that would have created a bit more of a, um, of a scene yeah. where like it kind of shows Brandon like realizing, oh, my mom can't have kids, mm-hmm. but it might not enough kind of thing, you know? That that could be interesting. So we're both trying to kind of find ways to deepen the characters. Do you think the beginning yeah. was rushed? I think the beginning was, yeah, to the point where it was just a little too cookie cutter. Yeah. And or weren't you curious to think about how did this kid grow up? Did he exhibit any signs of darkness in the first 12 years of his life? Of yeah, his life? because if you, if you read the Superman comics, right, you'll always have the beginning of uh, Clark's Clark in childhood. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, how he was a kid and how he discovered, oh, he can lift up a car. Yeah. And all of a sudden you see, you know, uh, uh, his his mom and dad realizing this and then trying to figure out how do we deal with this kind of thing. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah I think that, yeah. that I think that, that some of that would have helped for sure. Yeah, and it left a lot of room to explore and that they never really got to. I feel like in any movie, nature versus nurture is always a great theme to examine and explore in movies, right? Uh, are you a product of your environment or are you a product of just who you are innately, you know? Yeah. And I felt yeah. like this is something that should have been explained more here. Actually, I think it really was a requirement that they just kind of skipped over. You know, Brandon is sent here, at least uh, to my, with my interpretation of the movie, he was sent here to take over the earth and mm-hmm. to do so violently and without any conscience. And yet he's referred to as a loving and kind boy by his parents, at least for the first 11 years of his life, right? Which makes me believe that, you know, he exhibited no signs of being a sociopathic, you know, of a psychopathic killer, except I don't know that because we never saw any of that. All we're going off of is he was such a kind, sweet boy growing up. And it's hard for me to believe that just by a little bit of brainwashing from the ship after he turns 12, that all of a sudden a, a switch is flipped. And now he's too a, easy. He's a killer. It's too easy, right? Yeah. It's and too I felt easy. like if he was brought up as a good boy with strong values, he should have had some sort of internal struggle. And I think that could have been far more interesting. Yeah. I was sent here to take over the world, but I love my parents and they brought me up to be a good boy, right? And I think if he struggled with that, when he breaks bad towards the end, it could have been that much more heartbreaking and at the same time cooler. It's like, oh crap, he's struggling between good and bad. He's he's going bad and James Gunn. If you're listening, take notes. Sorry, Snow. <laughs> James, Mr. <laughs> Gunn, Mr. Gunn. Honestly, you are an incredible writer director, and I love your work. So, you know, he he didn't write this one though. So this is brothers. <laughs> anyway, anyway, uh, plot holes. I want to bring up. Okay. Never, ever, ever in a million years would they allow a child's aunt to be their counselor. I don't know. And I don't care how they explained it in the scene. You know, Brandon just hurt someone in school. He gets suspended and now he has to have counseling sessions. Now, Elizabeth Banks's sister in the film is a counselor and she gives a speech. 
Now I know that they wouldn't normally let you see a member of your family, but because we are a small town, I'm all that you have. BS. That still wouldn't happen. Yeah. Right? By law. Yeah. By law or policy? By law. By law. Yeah. Got it. And then, well, maybe policy. Um, I don't know the rules in Brightburn, Kansas. But anyway, um, second, <laughs> second issue, Brandon is a sociopath with no conscience, right? So either he grew up this way or he just lied the entire time. Either way, we don't know because they cut out any scene of Brandon growing up. Either way, they don't make him very bright. During the counseling meeting, he doesn't even try to fake remorse or guilt. One of the questions is, do you feel guilty for what you did? And he doesn't say no outright, but basically that's what he means. In another scene, he finds out that a family member just died and he is not sad at all. Now, if you're a psychopathic, highly intelligent killer, you're not going to show them what you're really thinking or feeling. You're going to fake it, right? So every time he shows people what they uh, what he's really feeling, they say, oh, Brandon, that's not good. We're going to have to take action. What does he say? It's not a good idea for you to do that. Maybe if you didn't show them that you're a complete psychopath, maybe you wouldn't have to kill them. Yeah, but I think that's where his age comes to play, where okay. because he's young, he's okay. not sure of what that is, really. He just okay. knows that like what he's feeling and what will happen if they do. Mm-hmm. So... Okay. I, I mean, yeah, that I, I, I allowed, like, I was okay with that. Okay. All right. I'll give that to you. Um, what surprised me, I think it also surprised you, the ending. What, I did not see that coming. They mm. were setting up a, a certain type of ending. Um, let, let's just say there is, like, a kryptonite for Brandon, right? Um, and it doesn't really come into play that the way that you think it might. And then in terms of kind of the overarching themes that this movie deals with, I think they really get into this whole idea. What is a mother's love for a child? How far should it go? How much is too much? Where is the line drawn? And once again, though, for this movie, that bond isn't developed enough. So we just see the mom blindly committing. And because of that, we don't really see her struggle because we literally gloss over the childhood in like two or three minutes of a 90 minute movie. So, um, final reviews, I think I'll go first and then I will go ahead and hand it over to you. I give this movie a two and a half out of five stars, uh, watchable, entertaining. It was a great pitch, but it seemed like they were literally on a race to get from set piece to set piece without stopping long enough for us to get used to, or get to know any of the characters and what makes them tick. So even though I liked it, I think it could have been a lot more. Will, what do you think? My rating would be 3.5 out of 5 because for me that it had, it, it just, it, for me, it was something different for me. And mm-hmm. I thought that even though it lacked with plot holes and whatnot, it mm-hmm. still kind of kept my attention okay. in, in the, in the cool new perspective of an evil Superman mm. to what that looks like. Even yeah. though, you know, we have something like Injustice with a video game with yeah. already that all the evil, uh, evil DC superheroes as well. Yes. But this one coming from a child's perspective yeah that that was like that was sinister yeah so you love the idea love the movie i love the idea i I love the idea i think the film i mean did i love it like i liked it a lot i thought i liked it a lot i didn't love mm. it but i liked it okay. enough to to just see wow someone the, the gun brothers were able to kind of create this film uh to really show a perspective of what that would look like mm. and they okay. really took it far yeah all right cool So that was our take on Brightburn, which can be seen on Hulu. And we also reviewed in this episode, The Boys, which can be seen on Amazon Prime. There's eight episodes of that. So 
Um, if you haven't seen it yet, definitely worth a watch. I think we can agree that both these films are worth a watch. We will be back next week with part two of our cynical superhero twofer, where we will be watching the Watchmen TV show. And then we are also going to be reviewing the film, The Watchmen. And we, were, and we are also going to be reviewing the film, The Watchmen, which came out a few years back. So uh, stay tuned and we will join you next week. Thanks. See you later. Thanks.